right, gentlemen, here we go. We're starting off another great year for uh, G4 Summit. We're going to keep G4 Summit. We're not ever going away with that. Oh, by the way, I want to make a quick announcement for Matt Price. I want all your pictures. Take lots of pictures of people having fun. Take lots of pictures of kids. Take lots of pictures of everything and shoot them all to me. I'm going to develop a brochure and have it available at Oregon Family Camp, and we're going to sell it to the guys that we bring here. All right, and then I'm going to send packets of, of programs or uh, brochures to the different preachers I know that I really appreciate and trust and uh, are doing a great work. So we'll get some more guys out here. Not that it's wonder. I think it's awesome. It's just Oregon this year. I really do think it's great because Oregon is really on the cutting edge. You know, the guys in other states have lots of churches they can hang out with. Now, Oregon... I don't mean to sound judgmental, but we only have two, okay? So anyway, so let's let's ask the Lord's blessing, and, and we'll, we'll jump right in. All right, let's pray. Dear, great, and glorious Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the ability to be able to do this, to meet as men, to encourage one another, to be encouraged, Father, and to be encouraged through your word and strengthened uh, in the inner man. And we ask, Lord, your blessing that you will help us to shine brightly as the lights that we are in Christ Jesus. Help us, Lord, to live a life that is one which indeed encourages, builds up, um, shines a light in the darkness, Father, so that those who are in darkness may see it, Lord, and that we may snatch them out of the fire, fearing even the garments polluted by the flesh. We ask your blessing upon this camp and pray that you will equip us, strengthen us, and encourage us for the work that we need to do, Lord. We ask this for your glory and honor that we may glorify you in all that we do. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. Well, talking about when we got started, there was a time when when we uh, would go to a place called Lost Lake, and we would backpack in, and that's really how this thing got started. We would backpack into a place called Lost Lake up by Waldo Lake. Man, it was so awesome. About two miles back in there, and I remember we went up with uh, a, a bunch of young people, and, and I mean, it was just awesome. And uh, one of the, the youth minister at Santa Clara uh, got totally freaked out because in the middle of the night, there's all this this howling and grunting and groaning, and, and everybody thought it was Yeti or Bigfoot. And he gets up, and there's a big old bull out just right out from the, the camp. There's this kind of marshy place right by the uh, the, the lake. So it's pretty cool. I really love that, that experience. But I have to tell you, as I get older, it's nice driving in and uh, driving all the way and not have to worry about my car getting wrecked or my truck getting wrecked. It's nice to have, you know, nice comforts of home. It's great. So uh, I know I, I, I think we've matured a little bit in uh, how we do this, and that's okay. But we really do need to mature in Christ. And if you go back and you think about in 2018 when we had a pretty rugged experience in the church, uh, really shook me out. I received a three-page letter that said that I was a failure. And uh, the, the word failure came up several times. As some of you know, as I've shared before, when I was a kid uh, in school in third grade, I was labeled a slow learner by uh, my teachers and by the quote-unquote the, the counselors. And so the kids ran with that and said I was a retard. And so uh, to my friends, so I was a, a retard. And to the teachers, well, they would always shun me into the, the dummy 
uh, groups of reading and the dummy groups of math and the dummy groups of this and that. And that was really disastrous uh, for me. And so in 2018, I, I was so close to quitting and walking out, resurrecting my, my leadership consulting firm that I had started and uh, was quite successful in the first year. And I knew that I had what uh, you know you need to make something go and grow. I've done it before. So uh, the reality is is that I, I decided I need to reinvent myself. Now that sounds kind of weird being a Christian. You know, we're a new creation. We're new in Christ. Uh, but, you know, the way things had been, that I'd been always doing them, was somebody else's pattern, somebody else's way of doing things. And uh, you know what? I decided that we need, to, we need to change that up. That's when I started to seriously consider uh, the development of church leadership, as we find in the scriptures. And so... Uh, as you well know, it wasn't but two years ago that we ordained uh, three men to, to ministry. Uh, we, we ordained Brian Bragg into the ministry as an evangelist, and he's been opening doors. Uh, uh, Darren Kendrick is, is proof of Brian opening doors, drawing them in, and that we, we, team, we team teach. It's kind of like, I guess, the Apostle Paul and Timothy or the Apostle Paul and, and Apollos. Uh, or Apostle Paul and Silas working together to bring people in to the church. And so, uh, but then we have uh, Jeff Drillinger and we have uh, Kirk Parks. And as you know, Kirk Parks is now serving as the, the preaching, uh, teaching minister. Not pastor, mind you, but <laughs> we're still working on that one uh, with that congregation is the, the teaching, preaching minister. And so... Uh, he's been doing a great job, and uh, he really has invested himself uh, in this short-term time, and uh, they want to keep him. I don't think that's a good idea, but uh, you know what? Let, let the Lord decide. So when I decided, you know what? We're going to go with what the Word says. We're not going to go with a pattern that was given to us early on, and uh, so I decided, go with what I know, go with what I know what works to focus everybody on a particular theme. And just as the sons of Issachar, uh, 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 they understood the times and they knew what to do. Man, that's powerful, man. And you know, in 2018, I recognized that at that point in time in the church, there was a lot of discouragement, a lot of people looking at everybody at the what's wrong with them rather than what's right with them. And so the power of encouragement. You know, Hebrews chapter 10, verse uh, 24 and 25. You know, it talks about spurring one another on towards love and good deeds, and all the more as we see the day drawing near. Encouraging one another, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. And so it was all about encouragement. It was all about finding what's right in a person's life who's striving to grow in the faith and encourage them to excel still more and more. And uh, I'll tell you what, that, that began to change the direction of the body of Christ. And when, so, when people were coming in, they're experiencing a, a, a real feeling, literally, the, a positive 
uh, experience. And you're saying, well, it, it, church can't be about experience. I'll tell you what, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They need to feel that they are important to you and that you are going to be an encourager, not a discourager. And that really began to change the direction of the church. And then the, the next year was the power of sincerity, the second law of momentum, the power of sincerity. People know a fake after a short period of time. And you know, I saw a bumper sticker not too long ago, and it said, Jesus, save me. And it was this great, and I drove up, I wanted to see, man, this guy must be a great Christian. Jesus, save me, in small print, your people. Jesus, save me from your people? In other words, hypocrisy. It says love should be without hypocrisy. Love needs to be genuine, no strings attached. Did Jesus go to the cross and say, now you have to love me in the same way I loved you? You have to. No, we don't have to. When we recognize what he has done for us, we want to. And so when love is genuine and sincere, when faith is genuine and sincere with a good conscience, people know that and they're drawn. And so the next year was rather interesting, the power of presence. And uh, that was the very year we started in January, preaching. And, of course, in March, man, somebody put on the brakes. And we all had to wear di uh, face diapers. And uh, thank you very much. Not only do we have to wear face diapers, but we also had to uh, be socially distant. Give me a stinking break, man. We're preaching about the power of presence and how important it is to be present in someone's life physically, uh, cognitively, emotionally, personally, spiritually, morally, all of that. And we're called to not assemble, not associate, separate each other. I think we'd, we uh, were only two weeks out uh, from assembling. And I this is stupid. We're going to go back and we're going to assemble. I talked with Kirk. I talked with... Uh, uh, Jeff, I, I talked with Brian, and they said, yeah, let's do it. And so we opened the doors, kept right on preaching, had the Facebook thing going on, figured that thing out. And, uh, man, three families, three sweet families are part of the body of Christ at Pleasant Hill now. You know, we, we pray for Gabe Steiner all the time and his family, man. I'm telling you what, Rick and Janelle, sweet, sweet people. They wanted a place that was going to live the truth. Man, they came out, and, and, and Gabe, uh, last time he was home, he said, Man, we need to go to church. He wasn't feeling very well, but he says, We need to go and assemble with the family. Gabe was saying that, and he wasn't feeling good at all. You know, leukemia, or it's a rare form of that, actually, and very few survive it, and uh, he is, he's in remission now. Man, praise God. But that family came they're sick and tired of the games and they heard the truth they saw genuine love they were being encouraged and Gabe wants to be there mom and dad want to be there Rick's a great guy Ellie is a sweet gal and so what a beautiful beautiful thing where families were, were coming in because they wanted to be present you know there's been some psychological cultural damage done because of that face diaper and that social distancing. And you see young people today, it's like they've been brainwashed. 
stay wear their face diapers because that's what you're supposed to do if you want to be really compassionate. Well, that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. Well, then, of course, we did the power of perseverance, and then, of course, we have the, the screaming crybabies and, uh, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter and nobody else does and uh, Antifa and power of, of perseverance. I mean, that was a scary time, scary for our local law enforcement officers. You just really don't know what's going on. And I think it was you that told me that there's a couple guys that just walked off the job after, you know, that uh, August of, what was it, 2021? Is that when it was? Or was it 2020? Yeah. Just said, I'm done. I'm hanging it up. See, I mean, the power of perseverance. The church needs to not hang it up and go home because home is a hot place and you don't want to go there. Home for the church is heaven. And so, so this year I... I decided, you know what, I think it's important for the church to come together as family, real tight-knit, trusting each other. And there's a lot more to it. After to this weekend, I'm transitioning in to talking about the church as a united one family, one mind, one heart, one purpose, one love. And we have to be trustworthy in order for that to happen. Now, the power of trust. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 9. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 9. He who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his way will be found out. The man of integrity is the one that's rock solid, unchanging. We're going to define integrity tonight. We're going to look at God's standard for integrity tonight. And, and then we're going to ask you to consider what does that actually look like in your family at home? How you treat your wife? How you treat your kids? Are you a man of integrity? If you make a promise, do you follow through? Now, Brian and I were just talking about a gentleman that made a promise and now he's struggling to follow through. I'll tell you what, that'll tear up a family right now. Right now. So gentlemen, we need to be the ones that be careful what we promise. But if we promise, we need to follow through. The scriptures talks about, do not vow unto your own hurt. But if you make a vow, you need to follow through even if it hurts. See, So that's important. Now we want to build trust. Now trust is built on four cornerstones. Four cornerstones. I saved what I believe to be the, the most crucial to the end, and we just talked about it last week. The first cornerstone is the cornerstone of character. You cannot trust a man or a woman who's not a man or woman of, of truth, of honesty, and follow-through. You just can't. The definition uh, for integrity that I share with you is an absolute. Now, if you fall short, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He'll forgive you a lot quicker than your wife. He'll, he'll forgive you a lot quicker than a brother offended. He'll, he'll forgive you a lot quicker than the, the sinner that where you work. And Jesus will do that. So we're talking about our lives as men of integrity for those around us. If the church is going to grow together, it's because the men 
are like-minded and are working for the same purpose. And that's what we're going to be working on. Now, our wives, I'll tell you what, Pleasant Hill is so blessed. Those ladies are really working together. Man, that's sweet. You ever notice how the, the, the wicked, worthless men in the New Testament would always get the leading women kind of shook up, and then they get their husbands to go, yeah, yeah. And then the men go terrorized, but who was really the catalyst for it? It was those women in the backgrounds stirring things up. I'll tell you what, we just have some great ladies in our congregation, and I'm so thankful for that. But men, we need to continue to lead and lead better. We need to continue to be those men of character, and that's what my lesson is about tonight. The character of trust is integrity. The character of trust is integrity. That's the title of the lesson this evening. But that was the first cornerstone, character. But the second one that we're going to hear about tomorrow morning is competence. Well, think with me for just a minute. Would you trust your car to someone who had never worked on a car before? The answer is no. Even if that guy was so honest as the day is long, would you let him work on your car? Well, I'm glad he's a man of character, but he's not a man of competence when it comes to working on the car. I'm going to go find somebody who's a man of character and a man of confidence or competence. So you got to have that piece too. You have to be one who invests themselves as your skill set shows itself. Some of us are preachers. Some of us are not. Some of us are servants. Some of us are encouragers. Some of us give with liberality. Some of us lead and do excellent jobs in administration types of stuff. Everyone doing their part makes the body grow. I know I was uh, sharing not too long ago uh, about how there are, there's a mindset that everybody needs to have a Bible study. And if you don't have five Bible studies because there's five work days in a week, well, then you're not making the grade. And I heard one preacher say, you will only have as many Bible studies as you want. What was he implying? If you don't have any Bible studies, then you don't really care about souls. There are some people who are naturally gifted and enabled to to open up conversations and draw people in. All of us have friends, and we can be influential in their lives, but there's some that are able to to teach and to preach. All of us should be able to teach, but some are called, and they're great at it. But what about the guy who's the encourager? I would have walked walked away in 2018 if it weren't for Jeff Drillinger. I was ready to go. I knew I could make it in the private sector. I'd done it before. 208 or 28 came along and and wiped out my little company, but I knew I could resurrect it, retool it. And if you want to come look at my computer, I had two two sets of of uh, schematics for my new logo, my new theme, and everything ready to go. See, so it's important for us to recognize that encourager, by the way, kept me in in the fight. And I'm praying for Darren Kendrick to get here tonight. And Derek Kendrick is a part of that. If I would have walked out, who knows where Derek Darren would be right now? I mean, thank goodness for our brother Brian helping. But the reality is, is that an encourager is such an important asset to the church body 
and he or she may never get a Bible study, but they're constantly encouraging people living the life. They're drawing people to Christ, and one day they might come out to the assembly, meet the family, fall in love with the family, as some people have done, especially when the little guys are running up to help out all the time. It's pretty cool to see that. And then, wow, this is, this is not what I've normally seen. It's all business rather than, than family. Constancy is also very important. That's the third cornerstone, constancy. And we're going to hear about that tomorrow night, to be constant. And we'll, hear, we'll kind of package it on Saturday morning. The constant. You know what? You can be a man of character and a man of great competence, but you have to be able to repeat it over and over and over and over again until people know you're the real deal. But I have to ask you this question. I asked it last week. You ever know somebody who's, wow, that guy's rock solid, virtuous, man of integrity. Man, he can really teach. He can really encourage. It's pretty amazing. And he seems to be awesome, consistent whenever you meet him. But what if his motive is wrong? What if, what if his ulterior motive is wrong? It's not to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to serve himself in some way. Now notice, he's got the good character, or at least he's good at manifesting it. Seems to be competent in doing the things in the church that we believe to be those things that are facets of glory, kindness, compassion, gentleness, patience, those things. And he seems to be pretty consistent. But then later on down the road, 2020 hindsight, you go, man, that guy totally took me for a ride, took advantage of me. Anybody ever had that experience in the church? I've had that more than once, unfortunately. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a sad thing. So trust takes time, first of all, but trust also is something that is going to manifest itself. You know, Jesus said, if you're faithful in a little thing, you'll be faithful in much. Now, I know that's talking about money, but that's a principle that applies across the board. If I'm going to lie, about, lie to you about a little thing, look out. If I'm going to, if, if you call and say, like this happened to me today, I forgot to write someone down in my book for a meeting. I'm supposed to be meeting him at 10 o'clock, and I'm on my way up here. It's a good thing he caught me in cell service. He, he, he texted and goes, hey, man, where are you? I'm down here to the Washburn. It's 10 o'clock. And uh, so I just wondered, uh, we meet at 10? Hey, man, I picked, picked it up. I called him. Man, I felt terrible. It was awful. Super, super great guy. He's the 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 Springfield uh, um, County Commissioner, David uh, Laval. Great guy. And the guy is a good man of faith. Now he's got some differences that we're working on, but man, he's a solid guy. And you know, what I said, I said, man, David, I know we talked about it, and I was excited to meet up with you. I didn't write it in my book, and if it's not in my day planner. I don't use my cell phone. It doesn't exist. And I have to be honest, man, I am so sorry because I really want to spend some time with you. And I said, so I'm on the road right now. And uh, 
I'm going out of town. So when you get back from Africa, would you give me a call? And uh, I'll pay this time. <laughs> he laughed. He goes, no sweat. I've done that. I just did that yesterday. So no sweat. Now, you know what? I was honest with him, completely bone honest. I didn't make an excuse. I didn't say, oh, oh do we talk about that? You know, I oh, just told him. I'm a knucklehead. I didn't write it down. The guy understood it. Now, could you be dishonest in that and try to put a good spin on it so you look like you're okay and maybe he wrote it down on the wrong day or something? I've heard people actually do that. No, it's this day at this time. To just tell them the truth, the little things. So important. So your motives are critical. But we're talking about integrity tonight. Are you a man of integrity? Are you a man of integrity? What is integrity? Well, if you take a look at the consumer magazines in regards to uh, cars, the car edition, it usually comes out, I think, in April. And you take a look at, at all of the different facets of a car, looking at uh, used cars in the last five years or so. There's one place where it talks about body integrity. I always thought that was interesting. You look at the definition of body integrity in the consumer reports, and it says uh, a body where all the body lines match flawlessly, where, where the paint is, is matched flawlessly. So basically what it is is there's no flaws. Now you might be saying, well, <laughs> well, okay, well, I'm hopelessly not a man of integrity yet. Yet, in Christ Jesus, really we can be. So I want to take a look tonight at the definition, the definition of integrity. And I looked at a lot of different definitions, and some of them are pretty hokey, man. They're just really sad. And I'm moving over here. So hopefully that thing can hear me okay. Integrity, moral strength and excellence based on a set defined standard. You got to know if you're hitting the mark. You got to know if you're hitting the bullseye. Is there such a standard for integrity? Moral strength and excellence based on a set defined standard. Is there a set defined standard for you and I? Is there? Is there a defined standard that's quantifiable? That you can look at your life every day at the end of the day and go, how did I do? Was I a man of integrity? Well, the answer is absolutely yes. You, Jesus Christ came into the world so that we would overcome sin. I love the statement that says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, the interesting thing is, is when you become a Christian, your sins are washed away. You're given the, the spirit that created the world, this powerful spirit that worked in Jesus so that he might, as a human being, walk holy and blameless. And he walked by faith according to the same book that you and I have. Now, you know what the bullseye is? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The word sin is an archery word. It means to miss the bullseye. What's the bullseye? All have sinned and fallen short of the 
bullseye. What is it? All of a sudden falling short of the glory of God. The glory of God. His magnificent character. The glory of God is his magnificent character. The first character quality of his glory, as we know, many of us have heard, and you are going to learn. I mean, I, I just, I love this guy, Alan. He is so awesome. Man, he's like a sponge in our studies. It's great. And so the first character quality of his glory is compassion. You know, our wives need to have compassionate husbands. And ones that come alongside and, and, and understand and feel what they feel and, and understand and put yourself in their shoes. I can't do that. I'm no woman. But you know what? I've discovered that the Bible says, blessed is the man who lives with his wife in an understanding way. For his prayer life will be amazing and awesome. And so it's possible. God wouldn't have made that statement if it weren't possible. So it's important for us to recognize that it is possible. Now, God is our standard. We are God's children. We are to be imitators of God as beloved children, it says. We're to be imitators of Jesus as beloved children. And Psalms 119 and 68 says, The Lord is good and does good. Notice his character is good. His constitution is good. His very being is good because he is what? God. Jesus also, being God in the flesh, was good. And we all know, rich young ruler runs up to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, before he begins his discussion on that, says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Well, that guy had it right. Jesus is God in the flesh. Brethren, you are God in the flesh. God incarnate. The old man was crucified. The old man was buried. The new man is Christ in you. The new man is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We're going to finish that with that verse. The new man in you is Christ. And he's in glory. And you have been glorified. And so, brethren, the standard is God. The standard is Christ Jesus. The man of integrity walks securely. But he who takes the crooked path will be found out. The man of integrity, the man of flawless character. Do you remember what First Peter Chapter 1, verse 13 through 16 says. Remember? Gird your minds for action. Is it coming to you? What is it? As beloved children... Be holy in all your behavior, for he who called you is holy. We're supposed to be holy and blameless in all our behavior. That sounds like flawless, doesn't it? Well, that's exactly right. 
You see, gird your minds for action. Every morning, do you get up and do you gird your minds for action? Do you get up every morning and put the mind of Christ on, do you? You really need to do that. Well, you don't know my schedule in the morning. Well, I, I probably do know your schedule in the morning because it runs something like mine. Okay? But I've decided that I'm going to capture that first hour or two and take it back. I do need my cup of coffee. <laughs> I do need my cup of coffee. But the reality is, is after that cup of coffee, even before my shower, I'm in, the, in my office, I'm girding my mind for action. I'll tell you what, it will blow you away if you invest yourself in a daily study of Psalms, a daily study and reading of Proverbs. My life has been transformed by reading Proverbs every day for the last 39 years. My life in the last two years has been transformed by reading Psalms every day. And I read a Psalm every day until I get to Psalm 119. And then I break that up into four chunks. So 32 verses. That's how we get her done. And so the reality is, is I have seen and heard Jesus in the Psalms. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Where'd that one come from? From Jesus. I am thirsty. Where'd that one come from? Jesus. See, all those things Jesus spoke, and in the Psalms, he speaks them. We looked at Psalms 143 last night for our, our prayer time. I, If you read it, you're going to hear Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, as he was going into the lion's den of Jerusalem to be ground up and killed. You can hear him in that psalm. It's absolutely amazing. Brethren, we need to be men who are going to decide to gird our minds for action. Now, let's take a look at some scriptures. Does anybody know 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5? God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Now I want you to turn to John chapter 12. Gospel of John chapter Chapter actually, Gospel of John, chapter 8 and verse 12. Got the chapter and the verse mixed up a little bit. Gospel of John, chapter 8 and verse 12. Listen to what Jesus says here to his, his uh, uh, disciples. It's really quite amazing. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. This is the message we have heard from him, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. That's what Jesus said. Can you say that? Jesus said that about you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. By the way, light is pure. Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. He points his finger at his disciples and says, You are the light of the world. Well, I thought Jesus was the light of the world. When you become a Christian, you become a son of God. You become a child of light. 
You're no longer a son of darkness, but a child of light. And so we're called to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of glory, the gospel of light, the good news of light. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a, a, a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. That's a great analogy. Let your light, your glorious character shine before men in such a way that they will see your good works, the manifestation of your goodness, your good works, and they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, brethren, it's so important for you and I to recognize and understand that you are the light there at Umqua Community. Is it Umqua Community Credit Union? Which one are, what credit union are you with? Oregon. Oregon. All right, close. Oregon Community Credit Union. Man, when TJ walks in the door, boom, the light of the world has walked into that place. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. That's how that works. When Jake walks into the TSA, slick back and looking cool, man. The light of the world walks into the Eugene Airport. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah, it's really cool. It's his supervisor saw that Jake was different. And, and, and she had some just disastrous, ugly, awful things happen to her. And she was hopeless. And she reached out to Jake and nobody else because she saw a young man that was different, a stranger in comparison to all the others that really were just kind of going through the motions of life. I'm not bragging on Jake because he's my son. I'm bragging on Jake because there's some evidence of his character drawing people to the light. I pray that, that she will become a Christian, but you know it's very difficult in this world to draw people out of the darkness. People love the darkness. They hate it, they love it, that love-hate relationship. They hate it when they suffer the consequences. They like it when it's fun, right? But you know what? As I've said, sin is candy-coated elk turds. That's all it is. It's really tasty at the beginning, but man, it just it kills you in the end. And so it's important for us to recognize you are the light of the world. Turn to Ephesians 5. And I know this isn't about light, but it's about integrity. Light is pure. Light is flawless. It's, it's beautiful. And the glory of God, the light of God, is absolutely flawless. And so when we take a look here at um, Galatians, I'm sorry, Ephesians, uh, chapter Ephesians chapter 5, take a look here at verse 6 to start with. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things as Im immorality, impurity, idolatry, covetousness, that's what the preceding verses were. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Well, people are going to see a difference. They should see a difference. You know, I've shared this before in many audiences. I'm going to share it again. I'm going to tell on Kirk. There was a lesson that, that Kirk 
shared in just a couple lines that just blew me away. And I don't know if you were in the pulpit or where you were, but I'll never forget it. He says, you know what? I go spend time with my in-laws, and I try to be Mr. Holy and not do anything wrong, not say anything wrong. It says, that has no impact on them. But man, when they got a problem or they got a need, and I come alongside, and I say, hey, let me help you. And do that with no strings attached. When I love them unconditionally, man, then they take notice. Isn't that what you said? Something close to that, close to that. Man, I'll tell you what. The power of the character of light. God is light. God is love. It's hard to get your hands on light. But you know what? It's really easy to see what love looks like. They're the same thing. Light is manifest in love. Love is manifest in patience and kindness and sacrificial concern. You see, we need to recognize, gentlemen, that we need to strive for those things. I was talking with uh, Brian earlier over by that tree, and we're bringing these goodies to local law enforcement officers once a quarter. We call it the appreciation of our local LEOs, and uh, it's a pretty cool thing. And uh, I guess all the officers know about some guy that is orchestrated bringing goodie. I don't. I'm not always the guy, but I'm the one that kind of orchestrates the band. <laughs> anyway, I I'm bringing goodies to Springfield next week on Tuesday, and I called his his uh, lieutenant, uh, who's my liaison, and I said, "Look, Tom, I want you to give me the names of all the the road uh, officers because I want to write a personal note to them." I'm, I'm, I'm piercing the darkness little by little. They already know about me, and they already know that I'm consistent, but now I want to let them see a little bit more about me for when the things go crazy in their lives, they know who they can trust because there's been somebody who's consistent. You know what? That turkey lieutenant, he hasn't followed through. He said he would, but he hasn't followed through. So I got a bunch of names from Brian tonight, so I'm going to write those cards anyway. And I'm going to insist that I get to put them. Do they have a little mailbox or something there? I want to insist that I get to personally put them in their mailboxes. Now, I might get some pushback, but I know at least one lady in there named Robin. She'll make it work for me. It's kind of cool when you know people on the inside. The reality is, what, what are we trying to do with our integrity, with our character, with our lives, with our light? Trying to draw people out of the darkness. Integrity will do that. The light of God is pure. The light of God is flawless. The light of God is in you and is manifest through you. Now I want to look at another couple passages of Scripture here. I want to look at Jesus as the true standard for our life. You know, we can talk about light all night and we'll still kind of go, what? But when you see Jesus, guess what? You have a very clear picture of what a man is called to be. Well, let's take a look. Look at uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Ephesians 4, verse 11 uh, through 13. And Jesus gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors, and some as teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all, all attain to the unity of the faith 
That's what I'm driving for, and I want to make it very evident. I'm driving that we're all united in the faith at Pleasant Hill, and it should be the church-wide, united. But notice it, it goes on there, and it says we're not just united in the faith, the faith, the faith of Christ, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. Mature means complete, perfect. That word mature is also the word perfect. That word mature is also complete, finished. It says here, to a mature man, now this is where it really gets good, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. You know, when people see you, gentlemen, when people hear you, gentlemen, who do they need to see? Who do they need to hear? You know, when you when you pull a knucklehead with your wife, you need to ask for forgiveness, man. That's just how that works. Don't say you're sorry. That's a cop-out, honestly. You need to ask for forgiveness. You know, when a great leader humbles himself, people respect that leader. When a, when a great leader hardens his heart, hardens and stiffens his neck, there is no respect, only greater rebellion. And a, and a looking for how to subterfuge that leader. You see, it's important for us to recognize we, we are the head of our wife, our family. So if we fall short, which we still can, gentlemen, but we need to be quick to seek forgiveness so that she knows that we're all about her security, her provision, and a man who's going to stay the course for her and the children. That's hugely important. You know why our world is going to hell in a handbasket? It's because men have not bucked up and done their responsibility. I really do believe that. Men that walk away from their families. It's a horrible thing. You know, you look at the statistics about uh, young men and young women who get involved in crime. The vast majority of those young people have no stability in the home. The primary reason is dad is either not there or dad is not positively engaged in their life. It's all about dad. It's all about his boat. It's all about his golf. It's all about his hunting. It's all about his whatever it's all about. It's not about the family. We need to be men of integrity. We need to be men who are willing, as Christ, to lay it all down for our lives and our wives. And if we make a mistake, if we pull a, bone, pull a bonehead, we need to be quick to seek forgiveness and reconciliation. Well, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. This is the one I was talking about. Colossians chapter 1 is a powerful passage that's very difficult to understand, but it's a critical passage to understand in regards to integrity. I want to begin in verse 24. Colossians 1 and verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship or the management from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery. 
which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete, perfect, mature in Christ, flawless. You know, preachers and teachers have a huge obligation. And that is to share this glorious gospel, this glorious good news, first in their actions and then in their words. Preachers have a great responsibility. Teachers in the Lord's church, teachers in the Lord's church, in the Lord's church, they have a grave responsibility. But what about husbands in the family? Don't they have an equal responsibility? Absolutely, positively. You know, I wasn't a perfect dad. I tell you what, I wasn't a perfect husband. That's not to say that I am now, but I'm telling you what, I'm a lot further down the road. I almost lost my oldest son when he went to college at LCC, and now we have such a sweet relationship every Saturday morning, except for the one coming up. We meet at Barry's Cafe, and we talk about some of the deepest things, some of the greatest struggles, some of the, the messes we made in our past, and how we have and are overcoming them. It's absolutely amazing. The son that is so different than me is that one that I can be so open with. I look at my youngest son who's here, and I'm telling you what, I missed the opportunity for him to ride with me, but the, the beautiful thing is, is that when he got home and I was running out the door, I could tell he was very concerned about his dear old dad. And maybe he won't be around as long as you need me around, but I'm around, okay? But you know the beautiful thing is, is that Jake and I are developing and growing that relationship. Can I, can I share what happened this morning uh, when you came in and and about the EPUD thing? Okay. I'll tell you, it's, it's a beautiful relationship I have with my son Jake. I know him pretty well. He beats himself up when he makes a mistake. He was talking about some challenges at work, TSA, and I asked him if he had called the gentleman that is in middle management at EPUD, who can open lots of doors very fast because they're looking to hire and build their young base into management. And I'm thinking, well, here's a manager right here. And I asked him, he goes, ah! And I could tell immediately he is beating up on himself. Were you? Yeah, okay. Knew it immediately, okay? So I said, now look. He walked in. I said, don't, don't touch him now because he'll blow up, okay? Just let him walk in, do a little bit. And then he was walking out. I said, you have the best opportunity to sell yourself now. Even though, even though you dropped the ball and not calling him a couple days ago, Here's what you can say, which is the honest-to-God truth. I'm actively involved in working TSA, and at the same time, I am volunteering at uh, LFA, the local uh, fire uh, authority. And I work basically 
back-to-back uh, -back shift. TSA uh, volunteering, or is it volunteering, TSA volunteering. It's like, what, 36 hours of work. I didn't say go that far, but I did say that. What does that communicate when you say, you know, I'm sorry I dropped the ball. I meant to call you, but I did back-to-back -back jobs, TSA, and working the fire authority. Tell me what that would tell you about a young man that was interested in talking to you about being part of your company. What would that tell him? Uh, absolutely. The guy's a worker. You want your company, your institution to grow? You want workers. Now, did that change your attitude? And you called him. Now, what happens from that point, I don't know. But that was a beautiful interaction. It wasn't in my lesson notes, but it was a beautiful interaction. You think I could have had that interaction with him if we hadn't built that relationship over years? See, gentlemen, it's, it's really every day that you're building the relationship. Every day you're building that relationship. It's so important. And so as we take a look at this, the riches of glory is compassion. The riches of glory is, is mercy. The riches of glory, there's seven facets of glory, and they escape my memory. But you know what? When you're merciful and you're compassionate and you're gracious and you're gentle, that's another one of them, and people draw near and they'll listen to you. How critical it is then to look to that standard. As it says here, we admonish every man and teach every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. I don't believe that God's going to take me quite yet. Now, he might. But the reality is, is I think I've planted enough seeds that there's men that are going to carry on. And that's really what we need to be about. Building in others the message of Christ as we live it out. Now, where do you work? Organ community. Did I get it right that time? You did. Okay. <laughs> Where do you work? The Pleasant Church of Christ building. <laughs> I have to tell you, uh, Alween is a really sweet lady. And, you know, for her to do what she's doing, she's seen something. She's heard something. She understands there's a difference about the church that is now compared to the church way back when, when there were some individuals that ran them out. Those individuals are no longer there. They've bankrupted their life, unfortunately. And But these people now see that, you know what? The church is still growing and going. So you have a great opportunity to be the light. She's a sweet lady. I know Jeff has been prayerful and asked, you know. That's great. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad that she did. he did that. So the reality is each one of us is in a place in our lives that we can be that influencer. We can be that standard of integrity that people will be drawn to. Let's close with this. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Several years ago, Brian Bragg took four 
Sunday morning Bible classes and man just did a tremendous job in building a great picture of this passage of scripture. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. It talks about us of being a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession. And then he goes on and it says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts. Just give up the world, guys. It wages war against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they will, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Brethren, the only way that people are going to be one to Christ is they got to see Christ in you first. They're not going to believe a word you say until they see him in you. When they see Christ in you, then they're going to listen. And when there's a critical time in their lives and you come alongside in love, genuine love, no strings attached, you're not preaching to them, you give them a hug, you see what they need, you help them out. And I'm telling you what, so oftentimes those people come around. I've seen it over and over again. So, brethren, it's so important for us to be men of integrity so people can see it. That's why I deferred to the light at the beginning. And now we close with our good deeds that people might see them. I don't know exactly where you live, and I don't know exactly who your life is really involved with. But I do know that all of us have those people. And you're the light, and you're the one that can open the door to salvation by being a man of integrity. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's close in a word of prayer, take a little break, and then we're going to get Jacob up here uh, to preach on an amazing man of integrity. Father, I'm so thankful for the evening, so thankful for the time with the brethren. And man, it's exciting to be up here. It's exciting, dear Heavenly Father, to be with good men who desire to know the truth and to grow in the truth and become you know, those great pillars uh, of truth, as it says the church is. And I just ask, dear Heavenly Father, that you help us to grow into those great pillars of truth, men of integrity, men who are living by that set, defined standard of life that's given to us in Christ. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.